Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast. I'm Brian Zaporic, and we have a great episode for you today. We're going to kick off our division previews with the Southwest Division. We have a lot to talk about. Before we get underway, just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter, at FanRag Sports, and for their NBA content, at FanRag NBA. Joining me, as always, are my two co-hosts, Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, you two? It's going well, Brian. Good to hear. Sarah, you're, you're all good? No flooding? Yeah, we're we're pretty good up here. Just um, trying to send stuff that way, you know. I yes. mean, we have we have some people. There's a shelter actually right by the uh, ATT Center, so. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. If anybody in San Antonio thinks that you can't help, you absolutely can from here, even just donate to the food bank here to help them feed people who are sheltering here or whatever. But whatever you can do, we, we definitely can help. Yeah, we should also send a shout out to Shia Sharano, who's just mm-hmm. been doing an amazing job on Twitter throughout the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, my God, he shares everything that's relevant to the whole flood and is, is doing a tremendous work. Uh, Shout out to him. That's that's awesome, really. Like, how much did he, he... He actually made something about, you know, he could raise some money, and did it pass $10,000 in, like, a day or something? It was up over 130000 I believe. Oh, my God. Wait, that's what? Like ridiculous. Dude, that was Wait, am, am I interrupting the machine if I jump in? No. no. Am I, like... Join, I should say, join <laughs> us. Because I, I, I haven't been formally introduced, yes. you know? like Because we can backtrack. Okay, first, I'm from Austin, so... I enjoyed the uh, the uh, hurricane too. Um, mm-hmm. I'm Chris Axman, at Almighty Ballin' by the way. Um, and uh, yeah, it was 130,000 by that night. Damn. At like 5 a.m., he texted that I'm going to bed. But by the way, it's 130. Wow. <laughs> wow. The last update I saw was like 10,000. I thought that would probably going to cool after the, after that. Apparently not. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's not even just a shout out. Like. Get on your damn knees That's for that man. Standing applause. And yes. Wow. Joining us this week as well, 
Uh, is Chris Axman the founder of Almighty Baller? Uh, Chris, can you let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work? Yeah, absolutely. AlmightyBaller.com is the website. It's a podcast network. We're populated with a lot of great podcasts, like the one that you're listening to, but not this specific one. So <laughs> check it out, AlmightyBaller.com. I'm at AlmightyBallin on Twitter if you want to listen to or follow me specifically. At ABPN Radio is where you can find the network as a whole. And um, I'm just so thrilled to be here, guys. I, I'm i getting a little emotional right now. This is yeah, I can see it's a big here. step in my career to be on the N- the NBA podcast. Yeah. Um, the only <laughs> one. The definitive NBA podcast. Yeah, we are, we are <laughs> glad you could join us today. Um, and we, we figured you were the perfect guest because... Uh, we're, we're going to start the Southwest, and we figured we would start with the Southwest because the Nerlens Noel situation has finally been resolved. We talked about it last week, um, and we were just trying to figure out what's going on. And then uh, it turns out, I think two days after we recorded, he ended up signing his one-year qualifying offer worth about four million dollars. Oh, he he did. Yeah. Huh. Um, Weird. Uh, <laughs> there are reports. Uh, that he turned down a four-year deal worth $70 million. Um, Happy Walters, his former agent, confirmed that on Twitter, although there were some conflicting reports at the time. Uh, so, Chris, I'm going to throw this to you as our, as our Dallas guy. Who screwed up here? Was it Nerlens? Was it the Mavericks? Or was it both? <sighs> well, typically in these circumstances, there's blame to be had everywhere. Um, it's not everyone's fault you know just sort of pointing a finger doesn't really uh generally do a lot when it comes to something like you know huge sums of money uh specifically in this case it's entirely nerland's fault what an idiot um (laughs) it's like uh of course you know before we started recording you know we we all joked like oh well he's not gonna get anywhere near this type of money next year of course he's not uh, the money, like, it, it doesn't work out financially. He alienated a bunch of people. And the worst part about taking a qualifying offer to bet on yourself is just there's no amicable, friendly way of saying, yeah, I think you should have paid me $15 million more, so I'm just going to go ahead and forego, <laughs> like, that that money, right? Yeah, like, Nerlens is not going to be happy right. <laughs> next year. Like, so I, I don't expect him to be going back to the Mavericks and... um it's not going to be because Mark Cuban did anything wrong or because uh, you, Brian, did everything wrong. Um, you know, Mort probably did something wrong, but it wasn't specifically his <laughs> fault. It's just Nerlens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think, so you think there are going to be some locker room side effects from this acrimonious negotiation? Um, well, not necessarily. I do think that there will be some locker room side effects as in the absence of him in the locker room next season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think it's necessarily going to be one of those things. Um, if anything, you know, that's, that's interesting. I haven't thought of it in that context. Um, because it's not like a player to player thing, right? It might actually be a good thing. Cause if Nerlens is going to take a risk on himself, uh, he hopefully like is going to like stay in line, mm-hmm. you know, not throw any more wild parties at houses that he <laughs> rents and trash the entire thing. Um, you know, like, not, you know, just, just sort of, like, stay in line, like, do his job. Like, you know, it, it might be better in that regard, but it's only going to be better for one season because he's gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you in that 
you know, it's hard to say that it was entirely Nerland's fault because we don't know what specifically he was asking and what he would have accepted. But four years, seventy million in this market is a completely reasonable deal. I think he was. It seems like he was pissed because he wasn't a free agent last year. Ultimately, like he he saw. You know, Bismack Biombo get four years, seventy-two million. Joakim Noah get four years, seventy-two million. And he's like, these dudes are scrubs. Like, I deserve more than that. And he's right, they do, or he does. But that's just not how the market works. Everyone got overpaid last summer, and it hurt all the free agents this summer. The 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 thing that's, you know, even if he has a monster season, next summer is not going to be any friendlier for free agents. I mean, there are a bunch of really top tier guys on the market and then after that like I think only nine or ten teams are projected to have cap space right now so even if he needs to you know even if he has a season that merits a max contract it's going to be really hard for him to find one so you know with a guy he's got a really scary injury history dating back to high school Um, he fractured growth in his left kneecap in high school he tore his ACL in college he's had chronic knee problems in four years in the NBA you know it it could work out for him but it feels like it's more likely than not to backfire I'm worried is it fair to say this is bizarre like it it was a bizarre decision to me yeah 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 I mean, I, I hope for him that it works out because, you know, dating back to his time in Philly, I love Nerlens. I think he's a, you know, he has insane defensive upside. I think he could be an all-defensive perennial candidate every year, but it, it just feels like he's got some bad advisors maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, Rich Paul, having him in your corner, you know, Rich Paul has a reputation of being a hardball negotiator, so maybe that helps him next summer. But uh, I'm definitely worried, and I feel like he's going to be disappointed with what happens next summer. Uh, Mort, they also have Dennis Smith Jr. What do you expect from him as a rookie this year? Not sure what I expect, but I look forward to seeing him. He's extremely explosive. I think he's going to give Dallas this energetic injection that they kind of needed for a while like this slashing point guard who can just attack the front of the rim and just really swallow up the defense i'm not sure what he's going to average but i think he's going to be great he's going to open up the court for dirk as well so the drive and kick game should be on point um it might take a little bit of time for him to just get Mm -hmm. comfortable in ricardo's schemes but you know (laughs) he's a rookie point guard every scheme is going to take time so I really think he has a high upside. Um, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised though if he ended up in like in top five voting of the rookie of the year award. Oh yeah, is there any doubt he's going to? I feel uh, like that's almost a lock. Oh, hey, I mean, yeah. Well, we we always say that about someone. Yeah, you know, we never know. It is worth mentioning though that um, he's he's playing for a team that has a coach with a history of salty relationship with point guards. Mm. And half of the roster is point guard. So if, <laughs> if yeah. Carlisle gets upset and plays him 10 or 15 minutes a game, it'll be a lot harder mm. uh, for him to get any Rookie of the Year recognition. Uh, there's no reason to expect that. But then again, there's no reason to expect Nerlens Noel to just turn down <laughs> tens of millions of dollars for, for no reason. Um, 
So, you know, sometimes you have to expect the unexpected, I guess. Yeah, that's true. They ha- I mean, you know, right after they drafted him, they were like, this is the era of Dennis Smith, and they- Rick Carlisle said, like, we're not ready to anoint him as the starter, but he's all but basically guaranteed to be the starter. But, yeah, we have to look back, like, what, two years ago for the Rondo thing? I mean, there is definitely a history. Well, so, I actually, I have an interesting, I have an interesting story. Um, so... Uh, I'm from Dallas, which is why Nerlens makes me particularly perturbed. <laughs> um, and uh, my my story about Dennis Smith, um, since I I know some of the people who were covering the draft war room uh, from that night. Apparently, uh, at the start of the night, um, Mark Cuban said, "Like if anything leaks about who we're going to draft, like and we and we find out it was you like you're fired there's no one in this room like going from person to person who i would not fire if i found out that you were the one who leaked it so by the way that's why it wasn't leaked um what was leaked before is like man that frank tillikina guy god i sure hope the knicks don't take him um (laughs) uh but apparently um the point at which the draft war room with with you know these were a a handful of reporters off to the side and then of course like everyone uh mark cuban and his decision making team uh apparently the moment where they erupted into cheers was when they saw that tilakina was picked by the knicks (laughs) they were like oh god yes that means that we got so uh, i i think that's really interesting the idea that the mavs you know sort of um made it seem like maybe they had a nicotine addiction. (laughs) (laughs) But they were actually going to jump for uh, Dennis Smith. Yeah. Huh. I I, I did know, I mean, they've really just been singing that kid's praises the whole summer, and he looked really good in Summer League. Mm. I mean, I I think he's going to have a monster year. I I wouldn't be surprised at all if he is the rookie of the year. Um, But What I wrote down um, is that I expect his first season will be like his first misdunked at Summer League spectacular showing his upside but ultimately probably not contributing to wins i like it yeah that, that sounds yeah. about right yeah i mean rookie point guards it, it, you know it takes them a lot of time to get used to the game so it i think there will be some pain involved but i don't know i think he's got a good mentor in carlisle you know having some veterans around him is going to help and uh that's who i want to go to next sarah harry b the, our boy, who, uh, you know, he was maligned throughout his Golden State career. The Mavs maxed him out last summer. Everyone makes fun of that. Then he actually played pretty well in his first year in Dallas. So what do you think he has in store for an encore this year? I don't know. <laughs> but the the thing is, he did. He stepped it up last year. I think his, his overall field goal percentage... Well, it's not like going to wow you, but it was slightly better than his previous season in Golden State. And he like doubled his field goal attempts. So that's pretty impressive. Um, he's definitely, he's got this nice sort of post-up turnaround game. He's got the little step back. I think what I liked when I was watching some tape on him is like when, when you play him with Dirk as the five, Harry as the four. And then, like, I saw a game against Utah where he was just feasting on guys like Favors, Diaw, shooting step backs over mm-hmm. Gobert. Like, I think there's a lot of opportunities for flexibility there and, and uh, for him to really be good and be aggressive. So, so you I'm like just him not as a four? sure, like, yeah, I'd like him as a four. Um, it's, you know, it can be difficult on given nights. It depends on who you're playing, but um, especially defensively. But 
you know, he can, he can hold his own in certain matchups. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I just don't know how much further he can go. I think he definitely took a step. He can even get a little better. Uh, you'd like to see him maybe bump the assist numbers up a little bit, bump the three-point shooting up a little bit. Yeah. But but uh, he, he can improve a little bit, but I'm not sure that there's, you know, that, that last step is always the hardest. I don't know if he has mm-hmm. that in him to go from good to great, but I think he's going to have another good season. Yeah. yeah. Chris, uh, were you surprised with how well he fared in his first year there? Uh, I'm not surprised with the level that he played to. I guess I was surprised by the way that he achieved that level, though. Uh, a lot of, you know, sort of filling in for Dirk of the Four, like high post stuff. Uh, a weird amount of horns that somehow ended with Dirk popping when he was playing the Five. Uh, he really played the four even when he wasn't playing the four just in terms of um just offensively being uh what we what we as you know people from dallas who like the mavericks i'm not a fan because i uh you know don't have personal stake in this because i'm a professional (laughs) but if say i did care about the mavericks (laughs) what i'm used to seeing is sort of the offense you know operating around this hub with the four being dirk in the center and then everything sort of falls together around that I was surprised that Harrison Barnes was able to step into that role mm-hmm. as opposed to being the guy who uh, is rotating around a different hub. You know, uh, he, he showed some flexibility. Um, I'm not surprised that it was he took a step back in efficiency, though. Um, it's hard to blame him for that. It's hard to expect that someone's going to be able to, you know, basically do what James Harden did and, like, well, we'll expand his role bigger and he'll be even more effective. That's uncommon, so... Uh, he's a really good player. I I don't expect anything more of him, but that doesn't make me upset. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think to be fair, like who who could have expected what he did last year? I think he was one of the better surprises and kind of went under the radar because Dallas is just somewhat disappointing in general. But you know, he you know. I, <laughs> Compared to, you know, they, they got rid of, or they let Chandler Parsons walk and they signed Harry Barnes to the same deal Parsons got. Like, who looks smarter now, Dallas or Memphis? It's a blowout. So I think it. Dallas or Nerlens? <laughs> Not that you're bitter about the Nerlens thing. He texted me and said, Chris, I want you to know that the reason I'm not taking this contract is because I want you to be sad. <laughs> That's, uh, strangely, it's what Brian Colangelo sent me when he traded Nerlens for a bag of peanuts. <laughs> That's weird. Uh, I want that bag of peanuts back. I know. Um. Uh, so, Chris, I want to ask you before we move on to the next team. We've got a rookie point guard. We have a possibly disgruntled center. Still have Dirk, we have Harry B, we have Wes Matthews, we have Seth Curry, who Morton and I have been in love with for more than a year now. Do you think this team has any shot at a playoff run? Um, well, so I, I think it's interesting, you know, any shot at it. Uh, it's not going to be them shooting their shot if they make the playoffs. It would be the Pelicans, Grizzlies, and Blazers all massively underachieving. Or not massively. It would be them underachieving. Mm. It would be they... they you know, we're on the lower end of their expected win loss outcome. Mm -hmm. And then we, but I I just don't think that we have the ceiling where it's like, Oh wow. Like didn't see that 50 win season coming. It's going to have to be that a bunch of teams that are around that area, uh, all sink lower than anyone expected. I think it's fairly, 
I think it's very unlikely, mm-hmm. not even fairly. I think it is a very unlikely situation. Yeah, and we will, at the end of the episode, we will get into our predictions for the division, but spoiler alert, I'm guessing most, if not all of us, will have Dallas on the outside looking in. One team that will not be on the outside looking in, barring catastrophic injuries, is the Houston Rockets, who, you know, we, we've gone over it in previous episodes. They added Chris Paul, they got P.J. Tucker, they re-signed Nene, uh, they signed Luke Mbamute. Obviously, the big one, the big acquisition of the summer was getting Chris Paul for just a huge package of players. So, Sarah... How do you think they're going to coexist, Chris Paul and James Harden, this season? Well, I do think it's going to take a little time to gel, but there's certainly the potential for it to go really well, (laughs) considering both guys can catch and shoot, both guys can create. You know, I'm a little worried about the fact that they're both used to having the ball a lot and conducting everything, but I think Harden more so than Chris Paul. I think he's looking for maybe the opportunity to relinquish some of that responsibility, not have to do everything. Um, I'm a little, I'm just wondering what Chris Paul's going to be like because he's been so dominant for his career. Uh, But I don't think he would have made this move either. I think he's happy with the move. It seems like he probably is looking to, to gel a little bit more too with another guy who's really great. So... What I'm more interested in is I think they could clash uh, on the defensive end mm. at times <laughs> because Chris Paul is going to be demanding. We've seen him be demanding of teammates uh, at times, and we'll just see how Harden mm-hmm. responds. Yeah, I mean, I guess you can hope that because he doesn't Harden doesn't have to exert as much energy offensively now that Chris Paul is going to be handling the ball a little bit more, maybe he has some to exert defensively. At, at least, you know, <laughs> that might be a pipe dream, but I guess that that right. could happen. But they also have a bunch of other strong wing defenders. They have Ariza, uh, P.J. Tucker, and Mbamute now. So more, what do you expect from P.J. Tucker in his new role in Houston? A lot of open looks. <laughs> I mean, when you have those two running point, I mean, he's just going to stand in the corner and have a field day. He's going to be, like... I think he is ultimately the Trevor Ariza replacement in terms of him getting the job to to handle the best perimeter player. Mm-hmm. He's just a little bit more strong and he's he's bullish. Whereas Ariza, he's more of a finesse defender. He shadows well, but he's not really that physical. He's a little bit skinny. So I, I think it's going to give Houston a little bit better look. Also, at the four, PJ Tucker might actually be better at just shielding off power forwards than when Ariza does it. So. Mm. There is some versatility to gather there from him. Um, but, yeah, he, I think he's going to play his game. He's the, He's been the same player for a couple of years now, and that's that's just being this very consistent guy who knows that, okay, I might not score 10 points a game, I might not get 12, whatever, but I'm going to give the give it a hard defensive intensity, I'm going to rebound the ball, and if I'm wide open, I'm going I'm, I'm to take it. I'm not going to hesitate, so... That sort of mentality is is in him, and I think that's going to benefit him greatly with those two guys. So more of the same is my answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, coming from you know he played in Toronto at least the end of last year, so it's he's no stranger to playing with two high usage backcourt teammates, mm. um, which should help him. I think you're right in that I don't expect him to average like 
20 points a game, but I think he's going to be really valuable defensively. I do like the yeah. versatility that he gives them. You know, I, like a Paul Harden, Ariza, Tucker, Capella. So, uh, I guess, yeah, that wouldn't be their starting five probably, but like roll that out in the second quarter or at the end of game to counter the death lineup. Like, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know. When is Carmelo's name going to come? Oh, it's coming. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> because, because like, what what I expect from P.J. Tucker is that uh, he'll fit really well next to Melo in the starting lineup. Mm. Um, P.J. Tucker's another one of those guys who uh, seems like a little bit better of a three-point shooter than he probably actually is because he's just always shooting corner threes. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a great <laughs> skill. Awesome NBA skill, but... Mellow, I mean, it, it, it is a different thing to be able to shoot above the break, to shoot those, like, 24, 28-footers as opposed to mm. in the corner when it's, like, 21-ish, I think. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure what the feet are. But uh, P.J. Tucker, I think, is going to fit really well because you're going to have Chris Paul, James Harden, and Carmelo who are going to be able to spread the floor everywhere else. And sometimes guys like P.J. Tucker can be a spacing concern if there's another guy who, like him, is limited in regards to their three-point shooting as far as, like, well, I can be on the left or the right, but if you have me up at the top of the three-point line, I'm pretty much not going to be effective. I'm going to be below uh, the Mendoza line or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that you know he'll hit consistently 40% of his threes in a place where uh, that slot's not going to be filled and then just be a really good defender, which if you bring in Mello, you're going to need. Yeah, so let's go into the Mello thing because it's been floating all the summer. Somehow the Kyrie trade gets resolved before Mello. Mello is still a Nick uh, as of September 1st. There have been rumors all summer that Houston's been after him. They've been looking for multi-team deals because the Knicks don't want to take back Ryan Anderson. They haven't found one yet, but maybe as training camp approaches, both sides will feel some urgency to get a deal done. So, Chris, if you're the Rockets, how much are you willing to give up to get Carmelo Anthony on this team? Well, I... I, I don't know. I, I just I don't think that that's something they're going to need to seriously consider because I just think that Daryl's going to be a lot better at chicken than the Knicks are going to be ultimately. <laughs> um, like they're they're like you know pulling up their big boy britches, and I think people are surprised that they haven't like already crumbled and said like fine, just you know let's do a three team trade. We'll end up with a I don't know big white dude on Portland who shoots threes and can't move and just a couple other like pieces of Myers Leonard right mm, yeah. um, uh, like we'll just like find Myers Leonard uh, like give us someone else like whatever we'll take it like you know uh, we're too scared to go head on with the Daryl Morey train but um, you know if hypothetically they go all the way to the trade deadline like toe-to-toe with Daryl I I think that you know they probably have some decent leverage I think this the, the Rockets um, it's not time for them to like re- really consider upping their offer, mm-hmm. but I think they should really try to get Mello. Um, uh, as Daryl Morey has said, it's it's not just an on-court fit issue. Uh, he just wants as many parts of the banana boat as possible going into next <laughs> offseason. Um, and uh, I'm pretty sure that... Wait, is it... Uh, there's a guy... Oh, LeBron James, that's who's a free agent. Oh, yeah. right. So, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I think that I he's going to want to make sure. <laughs> right. I think he's going to want to make sure that they have as many of uh, the Banana Boat crew in-house yep. as possible. And also, I think he's a good fit, especially with their wing depth. Mm-hmm. 
You're singing my song, Chris. <laughs> yep. And Mbamute at center, guys. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Like, sp- speaking of defensive wings who can only shoot from the corners <laughs> but do that very effectively, right? PJ on one side, Mbamute at the other side, and then just, like, destruction everywhere else. It's going to be beautiful. Like I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they definitely have more versatility than they have in years past, and I, I feel... It feels weird to like not even count Ryan Anderson because he's still part of the team in theory, at least until he gets traded in the Carmelo deal. But like, you can play him at center at times, and then you have five guys who can all reliably hit three pointers in your lineup at one time. It's gonna be Mike D'Antoni is gonna have fun this year, I think, regardless of whether Carmelo makes it to Houston or not. Um, and then Wade is going to fuck it up because he's probably going to sign there. Because as Chris mentioned, you know, getting all the team banana boat. And Wade, he's not a three-point shooter at all. He's going to be like, what? You, Maury what? Maury ball? I'm not sure. I'm going to take this contested 18-footer. So fuck all of y'all. They, yep. I mean, they need someone to ruin Eric Gordon's six-man-of-the-year campaign again. Lou Williams oh, tried true. last year, and he failed. But, yeah, we need D-Wade to come in and cut Eric Gordon's knees off for it. I just I was so high on Eric Gordon last year in fantasy basketball, and then Lou Williams came and just screwed everything up. Still bitter about that. Um, Sarah, I want to ask you about Clint Capella because before all of this wheeling and dealing this off season, um, I think it was uh, Maury and D'Antoni were both kind of singing his praises, and I think Maury said something along the lines of like, "Look, you know, we have Harden; he's an MVP candidate. Uh, we don't have another All Star yet." but we think maybe Clint Capella could get there. So do you think, well, A, do you think Capella has that potential in him? And B, how do you see the addition specifically of Paul affecting his game this year? Yeah, it kind of depends on what you mean by all-star caliber, because, like, do we think he's going to make the all-star team? I mean, given that of late, the requirements have kind of like the bar's been a little lower mm-hmm. for centers if you're actually having a center specific designated role on the roster um so that the possibility is open but you know you have guys like Gobert and DeAndre Jordan out there like DeAndre Jordan just made it was his first time last year I think Gobert didn't make yeah, it yeah um so given all that now I, I don't see Capella making the all-star team because you've got guys who do pretty much the same thing, but at a higher level, been doing it longer. So, yeah, I don't see him making the All-Star team. That doesn't mean that he can't be crucial for them and be very good for them. I think he will be, especially with Chris Paul. He's going he's gonna to have even more lobs that, it, you know, all he can eat. <laughs> but, you know, no, I don't see him quite reaching that All-Star caliber. But, you know, now they have another all-star guy in Chris Paul, so I don't know how important that is. They just need him to do what he does well. And yeah, will. I think, I mean, I basically envision him taking on the DeAndre Jordan role that, you know, Chris Paul and the Clippers mm-hmm. had. I think he's going to be a perfect, like, rim-running, lob-catching dunk machine. He's going to block a lot of shots on the other end. He's going to be a strong rebounder. I think he's going to put up career-best numbers this year, and I don't, I don't think that's... A particularly hot take, although correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I mean, I think you know the the 
The swing is going to be whether his free throw percentage continues to go up or if he stagnates because he would he shot I think like eighteen or nineteen percent as a rookie. He bumped it up to around fifty four percent this past season. So unlike you know a DeAndre or an Andre Drummond or a Dwight Howard, it wasn't like he's I mean fifty four percent still not good, but he's showing steady signs of progress. Whereas those guys stagnated very quickly in terms of their free throw shooting. So if he can bump that up to like 65%, 70%, they're in business. But if he stays in that 54% range, you know, then you start getting into, we had Hacka DeAndre when Chris Paul was there. Are we going to get Hacka Capella? We already had it a little bit last year, I think. You know. Still better than Drummond, though. Just in terms of percentage-wise? <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, I mean. Yeah, Drummond, 15% better. <laughs> God, yeah, Drummond is just an atrocious free throw shooter. So that's what I'm I'm excited to see. I mean, of all the stuff that, you know, there's so many new pieces in Houston, I'm just excited to see how they all mesh. But mm. I think one of the really fascinating subplots with this season is how Clint Capella develops and if he can be, you know, it's weird to call him the third member of a big three because he didn't put up stats anywhere near those levels last year, but I think he actually could this year. So I don't know if he's going to be quite on DeAndre Jordan's level as a rebounder, but I think he's going to be really good. I, I, it would not surprise me if, uh, you know, Sarah, as you said, I think he's not going to make the All-Star game because it's going to be, he's just facing a crowded depth chart uh, among bigs. But I think he might play at a level deserving of that. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, so let's move on to our next team, the New Orleans Pelicans, who, I mean, really, all five of the teams in the Southwest are fascinating for different reasons. The Pelicans might be the most interesting in the short term, given the blow-up potential. So, Mort... What do you think is going to happen with this Boogie Brow front court? How do you see them working out? One of them needs to step outside a lot more. Boogie really showed that he his, he had a willingness to do so last year. Uh, he's also become like a pretty terrific free point shooter. Honestly, like that's gone under the radar. We haven't talked about it a whole bunch. So, I would like to see Davis improve that three point field goal percentage, and I would like to see the volume go up a little bit. I mean, honestly, I'm not really seeing, like, the whole downside. A lot of people say that the lane is clock when one of them is there. If you stack with your minutes and you have both guys capable of stepping out and taking the long and ball. put an elite shooting guard like Rajon Rondo out there with them. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem, right? Like, that's the that's the big problem. Like, I, I just didn't – I did not get the Rondo signing at all. And especially, like, he's slotted as a – projected starter like what i would rather just keep drew holiday out there and then give you tuan more another shot well i think they are going to keep from what i've read they are going to play rondo and drew together as starters right that's what i'm saying that's that i wouldn't i wouldn't go that route oh, i yeah, would go yeah. holiday and more instead because mm-hmm. at least more has shown in the past that he could hit the three ball on a high clip so the rondo signing just it, it just boggles my mind that people still keep on signing Rondo. <laughs> like I, I have no idea what he contributes anymore. It's just ridiculous. He veteran leadership. Didn't he win like the Bulls teammate award? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. That's 
That's just that's, that's the future bulls. head coach Rondo too. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, <laughs> he's gonna take over for Garpax. Well, I'll, <laughs> look, hey, I, I was just walking home. Did you guys see that home? real GM thing on uh, point guard homie? What's his name? Uh, who's the point guard they got from the Thunder? Oh, Cameron Payne. Oh, Cameron Payne. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. They, yeah, yeah. That was savage. Yeah. <laughs> they, that they that you know the, an executive basically said we got guard. I love that expression. Oh, we got yeah, guard. yeah. I didn't yeah. see um, this. What is it? Oh, you should. Yeah, I thought oh, I thought you were saying this. I mean, okay, I can tie this back to uh, the Pelicans. So basically, um, it there there was a source inside of the Bulls coaching, um, you know, staff that said we knew by the second practice that uh, again, bad or proper nouns. Point guard who came from the Thunder was Cameron Payne. Yeah, that we knew by the second practice that Cameron Payne was not an NBA player, <laughs> um, and the only reason it wasn't by the first practice is because we thought it might be nerves. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Oh, oh my god! And then the source it was just said, savage. You know, we got guard. We got guard on that one." So, wow. um, all right. And, and, and speaking of observable inevitability and futility, right? <laughs> um, I I think that what's interesting about this. Pelicans isn't the disaster potential; it's the disaster inevitability. It's mm. like how how is this impl- like how is this implosion going to look? You know, <laughs> like is it going to go supernova? Uh, will it uh, go out with a fizzle instead of a bang? Um, it's like it, it, it's sort of like the the Pelicans are dealing with basically what we're all dealing with on on a like fundamental philosophical level, which is. The uh, unending entropy of the universe, and eventually all the energy energy is going to get expanded, and there's going to be nothing except for like floating floating pieces of uh, stardust that used to be Dell Demps out in the <laughs> galaxies. You know, so it's just like it, it's going to fall apart. It's just like it, it, the question is like is it <laughs> like how fast is it going to be? Uh, well, actually, here's you know an interesting part uh, is the um, is there going to be a fracture? that breaks off Boogie mm-hmm. uh, earlier rather than sooner because, like, he's so gone, right? right? I mean, that's that's my bottom line is that, like, it's... it's you, I mean, the Celtics know what they're doing by, like, saying, yeah, might as well start recruiting now. You know? Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's my big question with them. Let's say they fall out of the playoff race early or this explosion happens and Rondo blows up at a teammate or whatever. For whatever reason, the team spirals early. Do they have to trade Boogie by the trade deadline? I mean, yeah, probably. But <laughs> the value is going to be ridiculously low. But might as well yeah, get might, like, oh God. yeah. See, this team is, again, it, it, this makes me so existential because it's like, yeah, they could trade him for a little bit of assets, but, like, what's the point? <laughs> you know? <laughs> they're, just, they're just hopeless? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> I, I, I feel like they would have to... <sighs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really tough decision because I feel like if they trade him, more, you're right, they're not going to get that much back because he's going to be a free agent in July. And, mm. you know, this will be... This was his shot to kind of prove that the dysfunction in Sacramento was the problem and not him. So, you know, if he's the source of the problems that happened this year... Oh, I don't think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, the Pelicans aren't exactly, mm. you know, top... I mean, if he went to uh, if he went to the Spurs, yeah, right, and fizzled out there like uh, <coughs> Marcus Aldridge, <laughs> um, then then you could conclusively say that you know a, a big man of that talent who has character concerns, <laughs> whether it be Boogie or someone else who 
I'm subtly throwing shade <laughs> at that it's it's them, not the situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, the Pelicans, you know, they just signed Rondo. So <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, the, their problem is they're already just like totally capped out, basically. So they can't really, they can't build around those three guys because they've signed a bunch of atrocious contracts through 2018, 2019. So if they don't trade Boogie, they're not going to be able to replace him for anywhere near that caliber in free agency. But if they do trade Boogie, then Chris, as you said, like maybe they alienate Brow, and then maybe Brow starts, you know, sending some behind-the-scenes trade demands, or maybe he makes it public, like Kyrie. When, not if. Yeah. It's like how or how how is their death going to? Work? <laughs> it's just, it's, yeah, it's great. It's uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so another thing that happened recently, we found out, is uh, Solomon Hill is basically he's expected to most most, if not all, of the season. So, Sarah, what do you think they do there at the three, which was already one of their weakest positions? Exactly. That's that's what is really sad, is that, yeah, there were already was a pretty huge question mark, and now it's just a gaping <laughs> hole. So, uh, Justin Jett, for fan-sided, wrote a little thing about people that they're apparently looking at. You got bringing Dante Cunningham mm. back, who was, like, they're actually their mm-hmm. best shooter from distance. Oh, oh. <laughs> took any substantial amounts last year. Yeah. He had and a good year last he shot year. Around, he was okay. <laughs> he shot around 40%. Um, yeah. I mean, your other options are Josh Smith, Tony Allen, Gerald Green. Wait, Josh Smith? Shabbat Muhammad. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, my God. <laughs> those, those are your options. So you guys tell me, what would you pick out Josh of that Smith. line? I want to see it burn. If we're just throwing caustic elements <laughs> against the wall, Josh Smith, Boogie, Rondo on the court together, let's do it. Wow. Oh, my God. Am I, I the only one who right thinks, now? like, not having Solomon Hill is an asset? Well, yeah, like, what are, what are they going to do with the three? What's your solution? No, no, I, I okay, but, like, it, you see, if you were any other team in the league, then, like, that was true. It's like, we're we're heading towards... You know, the switchy, like, every position's about the same mm-hmm. style of basketball. But, like, they're getting only point guards and centers. <laughs> what the hell are they doing? <laughs> That's the opposite of switchable. They're going in the, ro- they're, they're going the wrong way. <laughs> oh, God. I, I, I mean, at least Solomon Hill more. is, like, you know, quote-unquote switchy. Like, yeah. he's not even a three. But he's the closest thing. Yeah. 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 I, I, would probably, I would probably play each one more at the three. I know he. That's giving up a lot of size, mm-hmm. but good lord! I mean, you can still defend. You can still. Or shoot. you can go the other direction, play Omera Seek at the three. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Go all big. Goes. Yeah. <laughs> Races. Alexis Ajinka running the point. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah. I mean, I, I was trying to be cautiously optimistic about the Pelicans. Like, I really want Boogie and Brown to work because I think that was just going to be so fun if they do. And I've said it before, but you know. Him having a whole offseason in training camp with the team, I don't think we got a fair picture of them last year because you just can't reinvent your offense that quickly. So this year... Right, 17 games. Yeah, so this year we'll have a much better sense of whether that's a viable long-term Well, see, I, I don't think... I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt no, yeah. you, but see, I, I, I think that that's still not true, though, because, I mean, really... Uh, we, we started this out with Mort saying, well, like, Boogie needs to play out on the perimeter a little bit more. I mean, optimally, it, it's like, it seems fairly obvious to me that, like, well, you should run this, 
you know, sort of like uh, what, you know, Jaeger did with Zach Randolph and Marcus Gasol, but mm-hmm. you've got to, like, pepper the court. If you're going to, like, crunch everyone towards the center, mm-hmm. then you optimize that with three-point shooters <laughs> in the same way that it's like, well, how do you get big men open? You put three-point shooters out there. Well, how do you get those three-point shooters out there? Have elite big men. So it's like they're they're not going to really be able to optimize these two guys in the same way that it's like we could really see what they could do mm-hmm. just ripping opposing fours and fives to shreds uh, if there were like, you know, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant at one, two, and three, right? Mm-hmm. Like that would be uh, a little bit different, you know, seeing, well, you know, looking at the Mavericks, like Jeff Withy, I guess is going to be their starter. You know, Jeff Withy and Harrison Barnes, there's no way they're going to do anything against Anthony Davis and Boogie, but when you get to throw two help defenders in because your threat from outside is Rajon Rondo, then, you know, that's when things fall apart. So it's too bad, like, because there was a lot of excitement, I think, for good reason about, like, well, what if we put the first and second best centers in the NBA on the same team? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a cool idea. It's horrifically executed, and... Uh, Ashes to ashes, dust to dust, <laughs> all that existential void stuff. That no, I I, yeah, I agree. I mean, you you have like Jordan Crawford, you have uh, each one more, you have Ian Clark and Drew Holiday. Those are the four type of guys who can make a shot right from the outside. So those four would all need to have big seasons for that whole setup to work. And I'm not sure I'm willing to go that far. So I get it. I get the concern, obviously. But I just didn't understand like putting Rondo into the mix when you had those four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's just yeah, yeah. Let's 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 sign Rondo and take minutes away from someone who can actually make a jump shot. <laughs> makes sense. Basically, you yeah. guys are both just scarred Rondo veterans for the Mavericks and the Bulls. You you've been through the Rondo experience, and now you know there is no hope. Yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry, Pelicans fans. I really hope it works out for you, but I'm I'm likewise trepidatious about what's about to happen here. Let's move on to another team that I am a little concerned about heading into the season: the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, they lost the heart of the grit and grind this off season. Zach Randolph. And Vince Carter went to Sacramento. Tony Allen still is a free agent. I guess they could theoretically bring him back, but it doesn't seem like it's in their plans. Jamichael Green, now that Nerland's Noel signed his qualifying offer, Jamichael Green is probably the most uh, enticing restricted free agent left on the market. Um, there, I saw a report that they have offered more, substantially more, than his $2.7 million qualifying offer, but it wasn't enough to get him to sign it so we're still in the holding pattern there um and then they brought in ben mclemore tyreek evans mario chalmers so let's start with those three chris you said you were scouting mario chalmers film so what do you think he's gonna bring to the grizzlies or those other two guys do you think there's any hope for those guys to be productive members of the rotation yes okay i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna go out there and say they're going to be asked to all play roles that are reasonable to ask of those three players. The biggest question mark is, though, Mario Chalmers, um, just because of, like, injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he's, if he's like, you know, half the man he used to be, then it's, uh, it's something that he can do, you know? Like, come off the bench and, like, 
be competent at point guard. It's certainly a better situation, even if Mario Chalmers is playing like in uh, like one of those little wheelchair scooters. <laughs> He's like scooting on the court in one of those. That's going to be more effective than Wade Baldwin and Andrew Harrison were last year. So that's an upgrade. Um, and uh, I mean, Tyreek Evans it had like a really good year last year. Uh, shot sneaky well from long distance. He had one of the best three-point shooting years of his career, if not the best. Uh, he can create some offense, and there's not really anyone except for Mike Conley who can do that off the dribble. And Mike Conley can spot up, you know? Uh, and now you're not going to have uh, any of that high-low stuff going on with Marcus Saul and Zach Randolph. The offense has really pivoted away from that. So Mike Conley, all of last year, was the only real creator on the team. Uh, I guess you could call Marcus Gasol coming off of screens and like throwing passes. <laughs> like I, I guess that's like creation. Um, but even then, like that, that's that's kind of cool. You could have uh, like a pass to a cutting Tyreek Evans now. Like wh- what they're going to be asked to do is like reasonable to ask of those three players. I'm not saying that they're superstars. I just don't think that they're being asked to be that though. You know, right. Yeah, I mean, they have Conley and Gasol to be the top two options, so it's not like you're throwing Tyreek Evans out there and be like, be your 25-5 guy from your rookie season. It's, you know, depending on what they get. And Ben McElmore, like, you know, he's not, like, horrific. Mm -hmm. He's just not as good as he could have been, probably, you know? Yeah, right. Like, he's not what you would expect from a number eight pick, but he is an NBA player. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah. And Chalmers, I mean, he was playing pretty well before he went down with the Achilles in 2015-2016. Like, I'm equally bullish on him as long as there aren't any long-term ramifications from that injury. But as we know, that's a really hard injury to come back from and come back effective. Like, Dallas and Wes Matthews, it took him, you know, he came back within, what, like six or seven months. But he was kind of, he, he still hasn't really found his footing from it. Yeah, I mean, speaking of winning the lottery, uh, I guess you could go into next season and Chandler Parsons and Mario Chalmers can play well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chances of those two stars aligning, though, just don't seem super likely. To be. Right, yeah, so Chandler Parsons is where I want to go next, Mort. Uh, you know, they signed him to the big max deal last year. Uh, his knees were <laughs> not nearly as healthy as they would have liked. He had undergone, I think, a microfracture procedure um in the prior april in dallas you know they said he'd be ready for a training camp for the preseason and then he kept having setbacks all year so he put up career low numbers across the board i think he played in only 34 games so what do you think they can expect out of parsons in year two of this mega deal do you think he's just already an (laughs) unsalvageable bust or do you think there's a chance he comes back and actually puts up the value that he did back in his houston days no, I, I don't think he's going to you know, prove that contract worthy, but I do think he's going to get better. I mean, last year was just horrible for him, injuries as well. and I, I, He's probably going to have like a similar season to like the last one he had in Dallas, like 14 points, almost five boards, a little bit of playmaking, some spot-up shooting, something along those lines. It's not going to be at any point a good contract. It's going to be overpaid until the end but at least he can make it a little bit more manageable than last year. That's the optimistic route, of course, given that what you just mentioned regarding his knees always being a concern. 
then you're kind of left sitting there going, well, if it, if one more injury happens, then mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just you're kind of just you're going to leave him out of your entire mentality. He's like, yep, he's gone. He's not coming back, right? So it's a really thin line that he's walking right now, which is unfortunate because injuries is just that sucks. Um, so I hope he comes back. I hope he, you know, proves me wrong and everyone else wrong, and he just balls out. But I'm looking at that Memphis team right now as currently constructed. I was seeing like Mike Conley and Mark Gasol averaging like 25, both guys, because that's what it's going to take. I'm not seeing any third guy there whatsoever, unfortunately. Uh, hopefully. Parsons is healthy enough to be that guy, even if it's just for like 55 games or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting a full season out of him ever again. Yeah, to tell the truth. So. Yeah, I think it's reasonable. I mean, he's he, this is now the third straight year he's had a major knee issue, and yeah, he hasn't played 70 games since the 2013-2014 season. Damn. Yeah, I mean, like you, I hope he gets better and gets back to his old self. But it's becoming harder and harder to have confidence in that, and that's why the Mavericks let him walk last offseason they they knew they said his knees were kind of like a ticking time bomb so they offered him far less than a max and he was insulted and memphis's doctors <laughs> didn't mind so they yeah they actually didn't let him walk they let him drive away as he said max or nothing <laughs> right and uh <laughs> mark cuban laughed uh, yeah um <laughs> yeah i i I pretty much agree with all of that. I have nothing further to say on the matter. <laughs> okay. yeah. uh, all right, so Sarah, uh, we mentioned the grit and grind is now gone. How much do you think they're going to miss specifically Zebo and Tony Allen and also Vince Carter? I know Zebo has haunted your dreams as a San Antonio fan for years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they definitely will miss the input of those guys, not only on the court, but I think maybe even more so sort of how they contributed to that culture you know it was it was really steady for a long time you knew what you were going to get uh the city loved those guys so you know they'll be slightly rudderless but like you said they still got mike conley still got marcus all i think fisdale went a long way last year as establishing himself as sort of a leader and, and a beloved figure there with uh his uh you're not gonna rook oh me God, his whole yeah. rant uh, yeah, <laughs> people love that, so uh, that that will help. Um, they've got all these these wing guys coming in now, like you mentioned, you got Tyreek. I think it helps that the city really embraced Rio a couple of years ago when mm-hmm. he was there briefly, um, so that is going to be good, but it's just going to be, a, you know, sort of a, a shift in culture that, you know, the good news is I think is it's sort of slight enough. It's kind of like what the Spurs are doing somewhat, except for, you know, the Spurs haven't even lost that many, but they lost Tim, who was the cornerstone of everything. Um, So, you know, it's just a slight culture shift, but you still have some guys that you can lean on to help you through the transition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they still have Conley and Gasol who are also there the entire time in Great and Grind, so Gasol is a former defensive player of the year. It's not like you know, those two guys are soft and don't play defense. Like, they're both all world defenders at their position uh it's interesting that you mentioned them as helping the transition because that's my final question for the grizzlies chris let's say they like the pelicans go into the toilet early something happens and you know conley gets hurt or something and they just fall out of the playoff race immediately 
Gasol has said this summer he spoke with a Spanish newspaper and he said, you know, basically, you know, we've made the playoffs for six or seven straight years. You know, they've done really well rebuilding around me. But if if they, you know, it sounds like he's basically just mad that Zebo and Allen are gone. So he's kind of hinted that, like, if they're ready to go in a different direction, then I'm open to that as well. So let's say they tank early, not intentionally, but they they just fall apart early. Do you think they should consider trading him? Yeah, I've uh, I've talked about this a couple of times because it does seem to make some sense when you uh, look out on the league landscape and think about the rising and falling empires. Um, it seems like the sun may be setting on Memphis, and maybe it makes sense to. Uh, to try to get something out of that Gasol deal. I think the only reason why we're having this discussion about Marc Gasol and not about Conley, by the way, is that Conley's contract is a little bit more rich, mm-hmm. right? It's like 30, 40 million a year for like three more years as opposed to Marks, which is like 25 for two years. So like that's a digestible contract. Um, my, my problem with like moving him to a contender is uh, he's not like what situation He's obviously a good basketball player, but to play on the highest um, on the highest echelon or whatever, his style of big man is not really in vogue right now. So he's not gonna. I don't think that Boston's gonna make a move for him. I don't think that uh, you know he really fits into what the Rockets are trying to do. I don't think he he fits what these elite teams are all sort of uniformly trying to do. So he could go to a better situation, but like not that much better. Like. I mean, if he went to, uh, I don't know, let, let's see, what, what, like the, the Miami Heat, like a, a near the bottom part of the Eastern Conference playoffs, like, mm-hmm. I, I guess that's better than being in Memphis, but the barbecue's not as good, and like, what's <laughs> the point, you know? Uh, so, I, I, I don't know, if I was, if I was Marcus Hall, like, I, I, I think he probably, because he's a competitive basketball player, he probably is like, oh, well, yeah, just, like, trade me to the Warriors for uh, Steph Curry, and, <laughs> like, the Warriors will be just as good. I just don't think that that's realistic. I don't see a situation where he walks in and, like, plays a dominant role for a team that is actually going to go anywhere. Yeah. It, I mean, it is hard to find the fit, especially in the West. Like, because if you're Memphis and you're trading Marcus All, you're going to want kind of what, along the same lines of what Cleveland got in exchange for Kyrie, you're going to want picks and prospects and then if you get a player that will keep you relatively competitive in the short term that's great so you're saying they're not going to trade him for (laughs) that's what i was gonna (laughs) say yeah like the spurs like yeah you can match contracts but like who else you know i don't think kyle anderson in the late first round pick gets it done so well i i thought about like what about like Powell murray and like a first i don't think that does it I think yeah, I, I think the the where we should look is the East, and I would say not Boston, <laughs> Cleveland. I would is going to be capped out. I think, or that I just don't know if there's maybe like Tristan and I. I guess you could do like Tristan Jay. I mean, they have that Brooklyn pick now from the Kyrie deal. If they're really, if they're really willing to part with that, but I, I'm interested in like a Toronto or a Washington or even a Milwaukee. Milwaukee that's been trying to get rid of all of its centers for the last two years. 
or Toronto that, you know, seems to hate Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one, Toronto, actually. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't know what they what else they include to make it work. Um, but at least, you know, Jonas is still really young, so that's that's your young player. Uh, it, I don't know what picks... I feel like, you know, it's going to be hard for any any contender to have a pick worth that's going to like be worth trading Marcus off for cuz in theory all of these picks well, are you know, in the 20s anyway. I hear that Bruno Caboclo's now only 1 year away from being traded. <laughs> yeah. Right, away, right. So. Yeah, so maybe <laughs> that'll do it. Yeah. I mean, Washington has uh, you know, <laughs> Mahimi is still there, Gortat's still there, so I feel like you'd trade one of those two, probably Gortat, because it sounded like he was a little unhappy with his role. But, like, I don't think Kelly Oubre, Gortat, and a pick gets it done. I feel like Toronto is probably the best bet, but, or, I mean, Milwaukee, same thing. Like, unless they're just ready to give up on Jabari Parker, they just think there's no way he comes back from the second ACL. You know, then you could do Monroe, Jabari, Rashad Vaughn in a pick. Like, maybe that starts conversations. Wait, whoa, Jabari and a pick? What? I mean, Jabari's coming back from two ACL tears, and he's about to be a restricted On the same knee. Yeah, like, I, I have no confidence in Jabari. Look, I think he's going to be a really good starting power forward for the Mavs next season once we... <laughs> Once the Mavericks, you know, like tank, get the number one pick, sign or, or draft uh, Marvin Bagley, and it's, you know, Bagley, Jabari Parker, uh, Harry Barnes, Seth Curry, Dennis Smith, and Harrison Barnes at the three. I think that's going to work really well. And Jabari is, uh, but if he doesn't end up on the Mavericks, I agree, he's not a good player. Yeah, I mean, he he was <laughs> he, he was prior to the second ACL. It's just like that's that is a hell of a thing to come back from. So I, I think his trade value would be low, but. Yeah, I think it's an interesting question for Memphis if if they do start to spiral early. I would not be surprised to hear Marcus all trade talk. I think Toronto's smart. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a really cool idea. Like anything that uh, limits how much having Demar Derozan hucking up inefficient <laughs> shots. You know, like I mean, if Marcus all can pull you know the big man out of the pain a little bit for him. Uh, I mean, geez, Marcus Hall, Serge Ibaka, mm-hmm. Demar Derozan, mm-hmm. uh, who's CJ, even playing the CJ three for them? Miles, oh, see, right? woo, yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, and they have, and, and if Derozan starts actually shooting threes this year, which has been talked up. about, it's like, never going to happen. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm keeping an open <laughs> mind because I just can't comprehend him not taking that shot. It just no, but weird. but but I'm saying like having a center who shoots threes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now there's only one guy who doesn't shoot threes in that lineup. Yeah, yeah, that's true, and he can attack the cub and get to the line. Yeah. 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 I, Makes some sense. I think it'd be fun. Smart guy, Brian. This is why I listen to the NBA podcast. <laughs> yeah. Let's <laughs> let's see if Masai Ujiri also listens. Um, all right. <laughs> let's move to our last team. Sarah, you're San Antonio Spurs. We got a lot to talk about here. So let's start with Rudy Gay, the big free agent splash. <laughs> The one that probably wasn't as big as they were hoping for once the Chris Paul deal came through. But still, I mean, he was playing really well before he tore his Achilles. So what do you expect from him as he works his way back from that? Honestly, I, I've started to get a little more excited about the season. I know the the offseason was a little bit of a letdown, but I'm, I'm expecting the Spurs to do their Spursy thing that they do where they pick up these guys who, you know, the draft pick value is not high. They pick up Rudy Gay off an injury. 
And the guys just excel because they're not really expected to do that much. They're not expected to go outside of who they are. Um, as long as he's healthy, I think Rudy Gay's gonna have a good year. I don't know if you guys saw, he got pissed off the other day about some arbitrary small forward ranking that he was not in, like the top ten. <laughs> of course. <laughs> At first I thought he was getting indignant uh, because he didn't like where Kawhi was ranked. I was like, wow, what a good teammate already. But <laughs> he was he was just mad about where he was. But he clearly has a chip on his shoulder. I think he's excited to play with Kawhi. He always seemed to enjoy competing against him. Um, I think he's going to shoot well from three. I think he's going to create well. I think, like I said, he's not going to be asked to do that much, but he can take a little bit of pressure, hopefully, off of Kawhi, play well off of Kawhi, uh, give them some flexibility, some versatility in their lineups. So that's all I'm really looking for for him and uh, hoping for the best. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I think I'm excited to see if he can play some small ball four next to Kawhi. I think that would be pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Chris. So <laughs> I don't want to make Sarah talk about this next one because uh, she's still recovering. <laughs> but Tony Parker toward quad tendon probably out until January. So what do you think the Spurs do at the point until he returns? Well, I think the reason they... Uh, went after Rudy Gay is because uh, he has that one tendon, you know, in his Achilles, and I think that they're just going to take that tendon and replace Tony <laughs> Parker's. Uh, hopefully, I mean, maybe it's going to go the other way around. In which case, I'm really sorry, sir. But, uh, it's not looking so good for Tony if they take away his last remaining. Uh... <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, I I think it's not going to be that big of a deal. I mean, like Murray. Stepped in last year when Tony Parker missed games, and he filled that role admirably. Patty Mills is an unshakable rock um, <laughs> coming off the bench. Uh, I mean, really, I mean, it, Tony Parker couldn't have played more than, like, what, like 60 games, 25 minutes? It, it's probably less games and less minutes than that. Uh, but, I mean, I, I think that Murray... Even though he had a sort of disappointing summer league, like whatever, summer league doesn't really matter. Um, it, what matters is that last year he did well what he's going to just be asked to do on a bigger stage. And, you know, he's one year older. Uh, he's got his first year of NBA experience under his belt. Like, I, I think Murray can do that. And, you know, Tony Parker, even if he wasn't injured, he would be another year older. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's just eventually, you know, the intersection of the declining Tony Parker and the upward trending Murray, that's going to intersect eventually. It looks like, you know, it was helped along by Tony Parker's injury, but I mean, you know, like make it work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tony was not great for much of last season as Mort would continuously remind Sarah. And that was a big issue heading into the playoffs or it looked like it because it, it was like, this guy is he going to be a liability more than an asset so i think you're right in that they have at least enough of a stopgap and frankly i think it's going to be more Kawhi on the ball so more that leads me to this question i think i already know the answer coming from you but do you think he's the mvp front runner heading into the season he's going to be entering his age 26 season come and i mean look he played great last year, but this is his the start of his absolute prime. This is the beginning. So yes, I think he should have won it last year. You know how <laughs> I feel about this. Yes, God, yes, absolutely. 
Fair enough, Sarah. But defense doesn't win championships. <laughs> Sarah, do you agree with that? You think he is the, the number one MVP candidate heading into the year? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't see how he couldn't be. I mean, like I said, Giannis is the only guy who maybe should be close as far as... I mean, all the other great candidates teamed up mm-hmm. with other big-time players mm-hmm. over the summer. So, yeah. And the awesome thing is now you're going to get to see... Kawhi versus Jimmy four times. Mm. Kawhi versus Paul George four times. Oh, yeah. Instead yeah. of the two that it was last last few years. So there will be no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Um, I just wanted to give Tony some love. I know you guys a little rough on Tony. But remember he had stretches of brilliance in the playoffs last year. He was saving it yeah. up, clearly. He was doing the LeBron thing. And then, you know. Um, yeah, see? And then unfortunately yeah. got hurt. Well, he was but, he was yeah. actually picking up the slack for Manu, though. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God, Morton. <laughs> Killing uh. me. But, yeah, in the meantime, we're going to do, we're going to call it DeJounte and Fred. <laughs> I like it. That's, that's you know, I could actually the, see Fred Forbes get a lot of point guard minutes. Mm. Yeah. Simply right. because, you know, Kawhi handling the ball anyway. And yeah. it seems like Forbes was really, you know, finding that stroke in summer league, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't. Be surprised mm. at all if he had like a Gary Neal esque career going. Mm. Interesting. So you know, if if he could come in and get like eight or nine efficient points a game, I'll. I'm sorry, but I'll take that over Tony. <laughs> I would. Oh boy. Sorry. Savage. Man. This is gonna yeah. be a fun uh, year. No comment. I mean, we all know <laughs> the Spurs are just gonna do the Spurs thing, and it doesn't matter who they trot out; they're gonna win 55 games. So. We're really just delaying. Well, I stayed conspicuously quiet or inconspicuously quiet, I guess, during the whole MVP discussion because, uh, you know, I'm picking Kyrie. So Whoa! <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's an interesting you know? pick. I think that uh, Isaiah Thomas is a glorified role player, and now that they have an actually talented player, oh my god, <laughs> filling that role, I think that he'll Ooh. average probably thirty six, thirty seven points a game and be efficient with it. So. I'm so excited to see your mentions when this thing comes out. Boston fans are just—I <laughs> can't tell if they're going to be happy. Like they should be happy because they you are picking with their player for MVP, but they're just so damn defensive about Isaiah Thomas. They're going to be conflicted with that. Chris, I do want to ask yeah. you, you mentioned him earlier, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, somewhat of a malcontent, it seems, um, behind the scenes. If, I mean, not even if, I mean, he has a player option in 2018-19. So regardless of how the Spurs are faring, do you think they should be shopping him throughout the year heading into the trade deadline? Yeah, well, um, I mean... They're shopping him currently, right? I, I mean, assume so. They have to be. That that's uh, everything I have heard indicates that that is the case. Um, so Greg Popovich's net worth right now is uh, looks like I'm not sure if this article is up to date, but it's got at least 20 million is uh, the Popovich net worth, and uh, the reason why he has a lot more money than uh, all three of us, or all four of us rather, or all, you know, all, all four of us really. Um, is because he is going to turn the Spurs around and I have no clue how it was going to happen. And if someone tried to give me a million dollars to fix the Spurs, I wouldn't do it. But I trust that he's going to do it. And that's why he's the millionaire, not me. (laughs) You know? Um, So, yeah, I I agree. Like, LaMarcus, bad fit. Tony Parker probably shouldn't have been a starting point guard anyways, but now he's injured, definitely shouldn't start on a torn Achilles. Rudiger, weird pickup. You know, like really didn't add anything 
that Pau Gasol contract, real head scratcher, Spurs are going to win 68 games. Yeah. <laughs> as always. As always. Okay, so let's actually move into uh, our predictions for the conference. So first, we will rank the teams from 1 to 5 in the order in which we think they'll finish, and then we'll each say how many teams from this division are going to be making the playoffs. So, Chris, as our esteemed guest, I'm going to give you the floor first. Okay, well, I would say number one is, of course, the Dallas Mavericks um, <laughs> with with 81 wins, sure. I think. Yeah, that's reasonable. It's probably... Uh, yeah. I think... Um, I think I'll probably have Spurs first. Um... I think the Rockets are the better team. They're just going to have to figure things out. Mm-hmm. And the I feel like the whole point of putting Chris Paul and James Harden together um, is that so, you know, during the off season they play together, and that's great, but during the regular season you just let them chill out so they don't, like, fizzle mm-hmm. by the time that the playoffs come around. So, uh, I mean, they can try to push it and try to get, you know, the, the second seed in the West, but that's sort of, you know... I mean, th- that's what they do each year, and it doesn't work out for the Clippers and Rockets. So uh, I would imagine that they won't do that. So Spurs, Rockets, uh, Grizzlies, Mavericks, then Pelicans. <laughs> oh, poor Pelicans. All right. Um, Mort, how about you? How's, how's your order? Spurs, Rockets, Pelicans, Grizzlies, Mavs. I like it. Sarah, how about uh, You know what? I'm actually... Wait a second. I'm, just, I'm kind of hesitating on the last one. Dallas and Memphis. Uh-huh. Can we just... Can, can I just say that they take, like, the same the same complete record? Because I'm, I I think they are so evenly matched at this point. Okay. So, yeah. So they're each going to be, like, whatever, 35 and 47, yeah. we'll say. Something like that, yeah. That's very optimistic. But, well, yeah. Okay. That's fair. Uh, Sarah, how about you? That's kind of... I put the Pelicans about in that spot, too. Like, I've been going back and forth between having them third and having them last in the division. I just... there's, Yeah, they're really, really top-heavy, and then there's, like, mm-hmm. nothing. It's so tough, but I'll go Spurs, Rockets, mm, Grizzlies. Wow. Mavericks, Pelicans. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Hey. I, Sarah, I knew we were friends. I knew we would be friends. I, I think it's it's definitely fair to say it's hard to rank Pelicans, Mavs, and Grizzlies. They're all kind of in that, like, mm-hmm. weird cluster where they, you know, if everything breaks right, they could be the eighth seed. And if everything breaks wrong, they could be the, you know, get, like, the 14th best record in the West. So I think I'm actually going to audible, and I'm going to follow... Sarah, I'm going to follow you and Chris and do Spurs, Rockets, Grizzlies, Mavericks, Pelicans. I, I, I originally had Memphis last, but I feel like Memphis is going to do that thing the Spurs always do, where you think they're going to be mm-hmm. a lot worse. They're okay. They're good. Yeah. They've got two. They've got two really good players, right. and it's a one and a five. Like that's like cool. You know? Yeah, I feel like the none of the off-season losses were that catastrophic. Where, and at least I can, like, on paper, conceptually, I see how they work. Mavericks, I'm like, I, I would be high on, I'd be higher on them. I just, you know, it's a rookie point guard. It, it just takes time. 
and the Nerlens thing. Well, Nerlens is going to have a max contract here. Right. So he's going to average like 30 and 20. <laughs> I hope so. He's my real MVP pick. <laughs> I really hope so. Um, okay, so how many of the teams in this division do you have making the playoffs, Chris? Uh, two. Spurs and Rockets. Yep. Okay. More? I think that's just about it. Yeah, I'm really on the bubble on New Orleans because I'm really optimistic about him. Mm-hmm. But if you put a gun to my head, I probably won't be. <laughs> so, two. Yeah. Yep. Spurs, rocks. Yeah. Sarah? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I reserve the right to change my mind at some point closer to the start <laughs> of the season. But, um, yeah, because really, I'm looking at the playoff picture and it's like, how many teams do you have that you are for sure are going to make it? I have four, maybe five. In the West? Yeah. I, yeah. So that I'd leaves five. three or four spots for a teams that are either, you know, sort of mediocre but going to be okay or really talented. But, you know, you don't know. Like, the teams like Minnesota, Denver, it's like, are they going to make that step? They have the roster to do yep, it, but yes, are they going to mm-hmm. do it? And then, yeah, <laughs> then you got, like, Portland to Dallas. I don't know. They get, they're fighting over those spots. So. Yeah. After we go through this exercise, division by division, I'll, I'll feel a little better about solidifying yeah. my picks. I tried to sketch out league-wide ones, and it was not a very fruitful effort. I feel like there's, there's like, mm-hmm. three teams at each conference that are clearly atop, and there are two or three at each conference that are clearly at the bottom, and the rest in both conferences is just a total mess. That said, right now I have two as well, Spurs and Rockets. Memphis... Uh, it's gonna be close, but I don't think they do it. I think. Well, as as the weeks go on, you guys will find out which other Western Conference teams I have in the playoffs as of now. Um, I think the Seventy Sixers are gonna make the playoffs in both conferences. I agree. Yeah, <laughs> eighty-one wins. We're gonna your Mavericks get eighty-one. We get eighty-two. Uh, all right. So that's gonna do it this week for the NBA podcast. Uh, thank you all for listening. Reminder: you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all of our Twitter handles as well. Again, check us out on iTunes. Please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Uh, special guests or special thanks to our guest this week, Chris Axman. Chris, one more time, let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find your work. Yeah, at Almighty Ballin, that's the Twitter handle if you want to hear from me. But, you know, what's really important is that you hear from everyone over at AlmightyBaller.com, so make sure that you follow at ABPN Radio. Uh, AlmightyBaller.com, big collection of podcasts, all NBA. You know, we got draft stuff. We do we do the best draft. We do <laughs> oh, gosh. the absolute best of, uh, I think, pretty much every team out there. So. If, uh, if we talked about your team today, then we have it over at almightyballer.com. And uh, if you want to hear informed opinions, then just check us out. Also, keep listening to uh, the NBA show. So thanks for having me on, or the NBA podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the NBA podcast. Yeah. I, I, this is a big moment. <laughs> Chris, if they wanted to listen to informed opinions, they would not be listening to our podcast. That was <laughs> the one hiccup. Hey, I think Kyrie's going to average 36 points. <laughs> <that>? like, yeah. <laughs> I think Joel Embiid's going to put up Will Chamberlain numbers, so we'll, we'll have an MVP fight later. 
And I think Donovan Mitchell is going to win Roy. So yeah, yeah there we we're go. All weird. And I, I'm Spartacus. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On that note, I'm Brian Zaporic. I was joined as always by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. Have a good one. You too, Brian. <laughs> you too. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.